Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Ralph Velasco. Unfortunately, Ugo won't be able to join us for today's episode, so it's just going to be me and my good friend, Tom Curley. Tom has become a good friend ever since he joined me on my Vietnam North to South trip this last year, and he's just a wonderful guy to travel with and a very good photographer. Welcome to the show, Tom. Where are you calling us from? Hi, Ralph. Well, I'm actually calling right from my home here in Connecticut. Um, it's been a busy summer, but I happen to be home today and uh, catching up on things, and it's great to get with you. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you've you had some great travel, and you've got some, some more coming up. So while we're at it, why don't you just tell us about yourself and a little bit about what you have coming up that we were talking about before. Uh, what you're doing now and the steps that have led you to uh, working in the photography industry. Sure thing. Yeah, I, um, I'm a lucky guy because I get to work in a great business, the world of photography. And um, well, I've pretty much been at it my whole life. I developed an interest in photography um, at a young age, junior high. I grabbed a camera, um, dug into it in high school and decided I wanted to make a career out of it and um, pursued that uh, for college. I ended up getting a degree in a particular field of photography that's not really even much around anymore. Um, my background coming out of college was um, in photo finishing and processing management. Um, so <laughs> I worked for many years in working with photo finishing labs um, and now that the uh, whole world has gone digital, we don't have so much of that anymore, except in the professional with the professional labs doing um, uh, work for professional photographers, uh, weddings and school photography. But for most uh, point and shoot amateurs, uh, it's all about digital these days, right? For sure. <laughs> so um, out of college, I um, actually worked for a couple companies along the way. Most significantly, I was fortunate enough to be on the Fujifilm team. Uh, for over 25 years, I, I worked at Fujifilm and um, a lot of good years um, across the board. Got involved with the professional products, both the film and the cameras. Also continued working in the, um, on the lab business with lab products printers and color paper products um more recently though i've been with panasonic corporation uh five years now working with the camera products we're all about the lumix cameras and um needless to say things are going very well we've got great products um and um it keeps me very busy and i, and I love what i'm doing well, you know that I'm a Panasonic Lumix GXH shooter and have been for coming up on about two years now, and I've uh, really been enjoying that camera and the, just the size. I mean, I went from 
the full-blown DSLR. It was a Nikon shooter for 25, 30 years. And just uh, about two years ago, switched over to that GX8, which is, uh, of course, a micro four-thirds mirrorless system. And I haven't looked back. I just love the mm-hmm. size, the weight, the fact that it's very unobtrusive to my subjects. Uh, you, what are you shooting with these days? Well, um, I shoot with a lot of the different Lumix models, the current models. I, I do that because uh, I'm well. I'm I'm able to. I can get access to all the models. It's <laughs> it's one good thing. But I do it uh, so that I can familiarize myself with the features of all the various uh, current models. Right now, it's it's all about the GH5. Yeah. Um, we introduced that our flagship top of the line camera earlier this year, and it's doing very well in the marketplace. Um, but I also shoot with uh, the G85 model, uh, the GX85 model, as well as the GX8. In fact, the GX8 is what's in my bag right now um, when I'm just going out, leaving the house, and always bring a camera, and that's the one I have with me. Um, but, uh, yeah, the GH5 is um, what I brought with me on a couple trips uh, over the past couple weeks this summer. Um, and, um, it's a wonderful camera. You know, you, you mentioned you've converted over from a DSLR to a mirrorless camera. I think we're at a point in the industry right now where, um, the usage, um, of camera choice, um, is a, it's, it's roughly even now. You you still have a lot of people who are comfortable with their DSLR style cameras, um, they of course take great pictures. Some great companies that make those cameras and lenses. Um, so your your advantage is top quality images, but your disadvantage is the weight and the size. That's where the mirrorless comes into play. And um, our system is micro four thirds, so you you get a camera that is smaller, lighter, and more compact which is a huge benefit for those of us who travel and do photography remotely and have to get on airplanes and things like that. So um, I think the, the I don't have uh, statistics or facts to share. That's not why we're here today. But um, I do know that mirrorless cameras, in terms of volume of camera shipments uh, across all the manufacturers, is about on par now with DSLR. So, um, and I expect it will soon um, take over uh, as a majority share of of camera shipments by model type. So, yeah, I've got to think that that's going to be the case. And uh, I know that I don't know maybe three four years ago, and I started to see all these real top end professional photographers moving over to the mirrorless system, and I. You know, once those guys started doing it, uh, it was kind of inevitable that things were going to go that way. And, uh, you know, they were, they were happy enough with the image quality and I'm sure with the size and weight and, and price. And uh, so, you know, that's eventually why I moved over. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I can't imagine going back to a DSLR. I mean, I still travel with my, my old D300S Nikon just as a backup. 
you know, just in case I drop my camera, get stolen or something, I've got something beyond the iPhone, but uh, I can't see ever going back to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, what do you think are some of the best qualities of a good photographer, especially mm-hmm. a travel photographer? Sure. Well, like you like you just said, um, um, a, a camera that you have is going to give you more capabilities than shooting with your smartphone or your iPhone. So I would say um, it's good for a photographer to learn the basics of the gear that you're using. Take the time to go through all of the operating features of the camera, learn the menu. That way you have the capability to get the best out of the gear and concentrate on your own unique style, your own creative capabilities. Um, I think uh, every good photographer needs to do that, develop a unique style that is. Um, Because everybody wants to be able to offer something unique with that style, be recognized. Um, Otherwise, you know, we're all going to be making the same exact pictures. Um, so what, what, uh, what to you is style? What's the definition of style when it comes to photography? Well, it could be a format. Um, for example, I concentrated for quite a few years on panorama as a format of photography, and that became my style. Um, I was actually shooting um, film uh, with a camera that uh, ex- made one exposure, um, so it wasn't a stitching process like is quite common today with digital photography, but, uh, I enjoyed shooting with, with, um, a Fuji GX 617 panorama camera, medium format, 120 or 220 film. Um, to me, it was about the whole process of capturing the image. It's almost like shooting with a, a view camera, um, you know, you set it up on a tripod, uh, compose the scene, uh, calculate exposure, and there's a lot of um, neutral density filters that come into play in using that camera. Um, and, um, of course, that means you really got to understand your exposure settings. And the result, and I was doing landscapes mostly with that camera. Um, but to me, the, the result was a unique style in that it was the panorama format um, and allowed me to concentrate on that and uh, try to become known specifically for that. I've since transitioned into digital um, and a little bit away from shooting with that panorama film camera. I still have it and I still have a freezer of uh, Velvia. Uh, in the in the refrigerator, hope to get out once in a while and shoot with it. But um, I've actually been now been working um, a lot in video to try to understand that, um, both stills and video. But well, I was going to ask you about that. Are you shooting other types of content like video and slow motion, time la- time lapse, audio? Are you using this content to create? Uh, multimedia presentations, things like that? Yes. Um, I have been 
interested in learning and becoming better at creating video um, at the highest resolution possible. So the camera shoot in 4K, and I want to learn to to do it. I mean, we can we can shoot video with an iPhone, yeah. uh, but to get a high resolution, ultra high def, uh, I'm using the Lumix cameras to shoot 4K, and it's a challenge for me because I'm still kind of new on the learning curve on the editing side and uh, I'm comfortable shooting, learning techniques of, of shooting, shooting handheld, shooting on tripod. Um, but then when it comes time to um, editing it, that's where um, I'm a little bit intimidated by, by it all and um, trying to learn on my own um, and learn from others. But um, I'm also doing time lapse with the cameras um, and some other things like uh, cinemagraphs. Are you familiar with the Flixel software? Yeah, a bit. Explain that briefly, would you? Yeah, the cinemagraph is a technique, and Flixel is the company that has made it easy to do uh, with their software interface, but. Um, basically, you you have the end result is a photograph that has some movement in it. A mm. portion of the image will actually move while the whole rest of the image is stationary or static. Yeah. And the way it's done with through the software is um, uh, there's a mask that is created and forms the portion of the image that doesn't move and then you kind of paint out a little section with the with the tools uh, the software tool like a paintbrush uh, you paint out a hole in the mask and that portion moves to do it you have to capture a short video clip mm. with your camera import that video into the software and then pick a um, the base frame and then use the software to paint out that mask. It then gets exported, um, either uploaded to their server where you can link to it, or you can export it as a um, a short video file and loop it, that kind of things. Yeah, it's I've, real I've seen those stuff. are cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and um, it's actually taken hold um, a lot in the world of advertising and online uh, promotion. Um, one example is uh, there was a email campaign for um, Netflix's popular series House of Cards, and the photographer did a bunch of um, uh, images of the actors in the in the movie. There was one of I think Kevin Spacey sitting in the back of a limousine, and you could see him sitting there, and he wasn't moving. He was he was just a still. But then there were portions of it painted out like. Out the back of the car window, you could see lights or other cars moving, and it's eye-catching. Is yeah. what it is. So that's that's really neat. I have seen that. It's uh, very unique. It looks like some fun. I have, have not uh, delved into that at all. Um, mm -hmm. You know, someone who travels quite a bit. You were telling me about some of the travel you have coming up, some of the travel you've done recently. Uh, we were in Vietnam about nine, ten months ago. Uh, you got any funny or interesting or scary stories from the road that you'd like to share? <clears throat> well, let's see. Um, yeah, I've 
I've had some nice trips this year. Actually, a portion of um, um, both personal trips with my family and some interesting uh, location trips um, with my work. Um, one trip we took this spring, was it was with my family. We went to Norway, mm. uh, a beautiful country. Let's see, we were there in May, early May. Um, and we decided to um, make it a driving vacation. Um, there's a couple ways you can see Norway. Uh, one way is on, on a cruise ship. Um, and the cruise ships go in and out of all the fjords. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to drive. I know it's not for everybody, but we flew into uh, Bergen, Norway, and rented a car and uh, mapped out an itinerary and a route. And we, we drove um, for three or four days, and we ended up in, in Trondheim, which is where we departed from. But along the way, uh, it's not a funny or scary story, but it's interesting, I think, what happened to us. Um, we... Uh, along the itinerary, wanted to go visit um, a scenic overlook um, that involved driving up one of these um, switchback roads high up a mountain. And um, we drove to um, the point where it said to on the map where we would have to turn off. And we're driving up and up and up. And there's a lot of tunnels in Norway. I didn't realize that. But... Um, we were just amazed at how many tunnels and the length of these tunnels. These are automobile road tunnels, how long they are. And I think we went through the longest tunnel in Norway, and it was 25 kilometers. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, amazing. Most of them were four, five, seven kilometers long, so you know, several miles, mm -hmm. each of these tunnels. They're everywhere. So we... We're driving along about through a five-mile tunnel, um, looking at the map. We knew that when we got to the other end of the tunnel, we'd have to turn um, to onto a road at an intersection to find this location we were looking for. Um, this it was a glacier we were heading to. Got through the other end of the tunnel, and it was a whiteout. There was snow everywhere because we were in a high elevation. And um, drove up a couple hundred yards, slowed down. There's the road sign, and the road was completely blocked with snow. And, uh, and another sign that said, road closed. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, I guess we're not going down that road. And we had to turn around and drive back probably an hour from where we came. It wasn't so bad. We had other places to visit. But the very next day, um, I'm on Instagram. I was publishing my images on Instagram, by the way. And um, somehow uh, Instagram figured out where I was, or it was simply a coincidence. But I got a, a promoted post from some Norwegian tourism council. And it was a picture of that road uh, shot with drones from above of these two giant trucks going down a road or a road similar to this that was just covered in snow. And these trucks had these giant snow blowers on them, blowing snow like 100 feet in the air. And you could see at the end of this short little 20-second Instagram video uh, that this these these 
these uh, cuts that they were making through this mountain road were about 15 or 20 feet of snow. And I pretty much concluded, based on a little research I did, that we were probably about a week ahead of these snowblower trucks that they used to cut, um, blow the snow away and, and make kind of like a narrow um, path through these roads so that people can get through. I guess if they didn't as a, blow the snow out, it would probably take all summer for the snow to melt if it's 20 feet high. So <laughs> very fascinating, very interesting. Wow. Yeah, that, uh, that's funny how that, that you got that promoted post. Yeah, it must have been your GPS or something. Right. You told Instagram yeah. where you were. That's funny. Uh, let's talk about Vietnam a little bit. I don't think we've had anyone on the show in a while. Uh, we we like to have guests talk about specific destinations, and uh, this is one that you and I uh, were in together. Um, what were some of the highlights for you in that country? What What really stuck out in your mind? Well, there was so much, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed the entire trip. Um, for me, it was that was a real um, a highlight um, of my travels. Uh, 14 days is longer than I, I would typically take, but I enjoyed every minute of it, and I think I could have stayed for another week. I was having so much fun. And we had a great group, too. We had a yeah, nice group did. of people. Everyone really gelled. It was fun. We sure did. I think I, I really was fascinated with Hanoi, um, just the whole vibe of it. You know, it's kind of like the old world becoming the new world, um, just the crowded streets and all the food vendors and the hustle and the bustle of it, um, crossing those streets with all the scooters. And it was just everywhere you looked, everywhere you turned, it was just beautiful and fascinating. I really liked Hanoi. Um, and that was Holland. a city. That, excuse me. That was a city that we flew into. So right. that would have been your first impression of Vietnam. And so that talk about culture shock, huh? Yeah, but it, in a good it was way. The first, our, our first uh, experience upon arrival. But then we went to Ha Long Bay, and Ha Long Bay uh, by bus. Well, it was about a couple hours outside of Hanoi. About three, four hours out. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to describe how beautiful Ha Long Bay is uh, with those mountain and rock formations that just come right out of the water and they dot the entire landscape. Very unique um, shapes to these to these mountains coming out of the water um, and kind of defines the whole look of Ha Long Bay, I think. Really enjoyed that experience um, waking up on the on the boat we were on, um, Tai Chi on the deck of the boat the, in, in the morning was was a lot of fun. Just really liked all that. Um, we stayed on a very nice boat. We had our own private boat, and uh, it, it, and it was such a peaceful respite from the hustle and bustle of Hanoi, and that's kind of why I timed it like that, so that mm-hmm. uh, we can you know, have some days in Hanoi and have that hustle and bustle and then kind of relax on the, the Halong Bay with those limestone cars. I think there's about 3,000 of those islands. Mm. Really neat. Yeah, and the um, and the caves, too, mm. inside some of those rock formations. That was fascinating. 
But then we went back to Hanoi, and I, I continued to be fascinated by it. So, um, you know, even if even after we had uh, gotten over the initial immersion on our first arrival day there, when we went back to Hanoi, I, I continued to really enjoy that a lot. So, I would say the other part that um, left me a, a big impression of of amazement would be Ho Chi Minh City, uh, kind of the other end of the country. I mean, the whole trip, I, I love how you designed an itinerary, uh, Vietnam north to south, that <clears throat> allowed us to basically cover the whole country uh, from Hanoi and Ha Long Bay back to Hanoi down to, um, where did we go? Um, Hoi An. Hoi An, yeah, mm-hmm. via Da Nang Airport. Mm-hmm. And then the last part of the trip in um, Ho Chi Minh City, uh Really different city from Hanoi, much more modern and, and bigger. Um, but I found that fascinating too. Um, really enjoyed that a lot. And then uh, we got out of the city there and went to the Mekong Delta, which uh, is just two, three hours away. That's, right. That's a nice. The, the floating market. Uh, is it Kai Rang floating market? Mm-hmm. Outside of Kanto. Mm-hmm. Right. I shot a lot of video on that morning when we were out there with the floating market. Um, and that's the part that I, I have, I, I, I've got the footage on my hard drives and I've got it somewhat storyboarded, but that's the first video I want to get out and here here we are several months later and I haven't done it yet so maybe maybe speaking to you about it here today will motivate me to finish up that project and share it but <laughs> you know you asked earlier what the best qualities of a good photographer are I was going to mention uh, something I, I believe in and it's that you should share 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 if you're taking pictures as a hobby for fun um, that's great but don't take pictures, bring them back home, edit them, file them away on your hard drives, and fail to share them. Uh, your friends, your followers, they all want to see what you're shooting. Be sure to share your stuff. Put it out there. It's so easy. You can put stuff on your social media um, outlets. You can. It's so easy to set up a website and share your images. That's the best part of photography, I think, Um is, is to share them, and I highly encourage it. And i got to follow my own advice, too, with that um, floating market video that I've got in the works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, just uh, like you say, putting the putting it out there that, uh, you know, sort of committing to doing that and uh, letting other people know that you're going to do it will uh, force you to do that. But, yeah, I, I agree with sharing. Don't keep your light under a, a, a basket. Get it out there. It's meant to be shown to other people. Um, uh, I, I am always big on just limiting the amount of images that people put out. Cause sometimes you know, you'll, you'll see someone's Facebook feed and it's like, you know, 50 images from blah, blah, blah. And, uh, it's, it's kind of tough to go through those. I'd rather put out, you know, five, 10 image posts than one 50 image post. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's just my, my feeling. What were some of the uh, image categories and or genres that you saw a lot of in Vietnam that that you found yourself photographing again and again? I always try to pick something to concentrate on when I'm when I'm 
going on a on a trip or a project and for the Vietnam trip I I wanted to try my hand at, at photographing people uh, I figured there'd be a lot of that uh, and a lot of unique aspects of that um, so I did I was photographing people um, as much as I could there and um, uh, I believe that the Vietnam people are they're very they're beautiful people I mean they're they're they seem to be very fit i guess their their diet and everything there's not a lot of overweight people there like other places you see um and i also found the um this is kind of the modern traditional w women's dress it's it's kind of like a um a long dress that goes down to the knees and it's it's split on the sides and they wear they wear pants underneath it uh, it's, it's a very unique and I, I think a very flattering and beautiful style of the women's dress. And I, I was um, kind of following that and taking pictures, pictures of that to try to develop a, almost like a little theme. Um, I also tried something um, specific when we got down to Ho Chi Minh City, um, and after we visited the war relics museum um for what they call the american war right the vietnam war <laughs> um it occurred to me that uh, of course back in the 70s all the photographers uh the war photographers were shooting black and white film and it's easy for me to do that with my digital camera so i uh, and i shoot jpeg by the way um i switched my camera to black and white mode and I spend a couple days shooting just in black and white to almost um, as an homage to the photographers uh, back in that era and I had fun doing that and so you weren't sh shooting in color and then just seeing it in black and white you were actually only shooting in black and white that's right yeah I like to um, shoot right in camera uh, sometimes we see the term on, on uh, social media, S-O-O-C, straight out of camera. Mm. Um, and there's a, a kind of a new trend, and I'm, I'm actually a big fan of it, to shoot using the tools in the camera, whether it's converting to black and white mode or using any of the built-in filters that the digital cameras have, and uh, even cropping the aspect ratio. Um, uh, for Instagram, which I like publishing to, um, I'm still in the um, mode of the traditional Instagrammer. Remember when it was only square? They, <laughs> they've since changed that, and you can yeah. put a rectangular image up now. Mm -hmm. um, but I still love that square format, and uh, I'll actually crop right in camera and capture the image in a one-to-one -one aspect ratio. You know, that way I can move that image right to my smartphone using the Wi-Fi app and publish right on location. If I'm sitting in a, in a restaurant uh, or the hotel lobby or the airport, I don't have to wait till I get home or upload it to my computer or my MacBook or whatever and then edit it. I can do it right from the camera with the way I shoot. I realize that there are advantages to shooting in RAW, and um, I understand why people do that. Gives you a lot more uh, leeway to adjust the image in post. 
but I also see the value in shooting JPEG straight out of camera images uh, with the photo styles and the aspect ratio cropping and everything. Um, to me, it's a lot more fun. Hmm. That's great. It uh, requires a lot of discipline to do that. What were some of the biggest misconceptions you had about Vietnam before you went there? What did you have in your mind? What were your expectations for it? And were they met? Were they different? <clears throat> well, I went I went with my um, eyes wide open, um, ready to expect the unexpected. Um, I guess I didn't realize how quickly the the country is is modernizing. Um, with with the with the infrastructure, I mean the airports were modern. Uh, I didn't think they'd be quite as as large and and um, convenient as they were. Um, but yeah, the whole infrastructure. I mean, there's so much growth going on in the country. I think we learned from one of our guides about how much the population has grown just in the last 20 years. I think it's like doubled in size or something like that. And, um, yeah, they're quickly becoming, um, a very modern country. Um, their economy is very, very good. And I've, I've got this one image of, uh, these three very stylish looking women just having a, a cocktail sitting at a outdoor sort of, uh, restaurant or bar. And they're really sharp looking. They're dressed to the nines. They're having a cocktail, and and to me it was such a contrast to what I thought, you know, Vietnam would be like. And it really showed me that uh, that economy is coming back. People have disposable income. You know, they're buying nice clothes. They're, they've got time to go out and relax and enjoy a drink or a meal. And uh, that I think that's along the lines of what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, really fascinating. You know, so different than what what we are used to here in the U.S. or Well, we had people from U.S. and Canada, and we had a gentleman from the U.K., so you know, I think in all the cases, we were all pretty amazed at what we were seeing in, in Vietnam. What were some of the non-photographic highlights that you felt that you experienced on that trip? Definitely the food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was really looking forward to that. I mean, I, I hopped on, um, uh, online and watched a few Anthony Bourdain episodes <laughs> and, um, including when he was in, um, Hanoi, um, and actually sought out, uh, some of the specific, um, meals that, that he talked about. Um, so yeah, the food was, was, uh, very interesting and very special. Um, we did a foodie tour that uh, was one of the first nights in Hanoi, right? We, oh, yeah, the foodie tour. Actually, I think that was when we got back from Halong Bay. Right, um, right. That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Tried a little bit of everything, um, some different tastings of, of uh, different styles of food and some desserts. And, yeah, that guide was great. She was great. I hope you use her again. Yeah, we always do. Uh, what was her name? Uh, Cherry, I think it was. Yeah, Cherry. Right. She went by Cherry. Yeah. She was a really sweet little girl, and she mm -hmm. was very knowledgeable, very enthusiastic. And I had uh, used her on my scouting trip, 
and uh, asked, requested her for this one. Mm-hmm. But I try to incorporate the food into all my trips. Uh, it's such a, uh, a culturally specific thing, and especially in a country like Vietnam or India or Morocco, where they've really got this uh, this food culture. And so to go and learn from a local, you know, how how to order the food, how to eat the food, how to prepare it sometimes, how to shop for it when we do a market walk or something like that. I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> also, uh, I'm I'm not a I'm not big on on souvenirs and trinkets and things. I've I've um, um, you know as I get older, I, I guess I need less of that stuff that I'm dragging home um, with me. And I had no intention of um, of uh, buying a suit but when you introduced us to the opportunity to check out the the custom tailor shop there in um hoi an uh hoi an that's right Mm -hmm. Uh, i went along i went along with with jeff actually and said yeah i'll go along and just check it out i ended up buying a suit and totally did not anticipate or plan on that but i'm so glad i did um really um satisfied and happy with the results and um amazing how little money we spent on getting a a custom tailored suit there so that was kind of a surprise a pleasurable one uh, that i that that i actually did that didn't didn't anticipate doing that but it was it was fun uh process and i'm glad i did it i needed a suit anyway (laughs) yeah I i that's the one thing i i don't wear a lot of suits, but I the first time I went to uh, Hoi An, and the the name of that store is called Yali, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a really wonderful place, and they'll make you custom suits, dresses, ties, shirts, in like thirty six hours, and so oh, we yeah, go. Oh yeah, it's ready the next day. Yeah, yeah we 24 go twenty four hours. Twenty four hours. Yeah, we go there the like the first full day we're there, and then they do a second fitting, and then it's delivered to your hotel. I think I I bought a, a two piece suit, four uh, two custom shirts, and four custom ties, and it was like a hundred and sixty bucks. Mm. It's really mm. incredible. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. Well, as we wind things down, uh, any final advice for our listeners who are looking to travel to and photograph Vietnam or anywhere else in the world? Uh, what, what are you? What kind of resources are you using to improve your photography as you keep, you know, moving on and and learning, as we all do? Um, one of the things I'm doing among the different types of photography with the different gear. Uh, is I'm also um, exploring infrared. Mm. Um, that's become quite popular these days with the digital cameras, and I would encourage anyone who's got an interest in that to to check it out and maybe um, invest in a infrared camera, or or you can even rent them, take one along on a trip, and um, see if if it's something you're interested in, basically um, you need a dedicated camera because they need to be converted. They actually have to remove the infrared um, filter that's on the camera so that the sensor can capture in that infrared spectrum. Um, and there's different ways to do it, but uh, you can 
convert the camera so that it only sees infrared. That way you don't have to put any filters on the front of the lens. And with digital um, and the mirrorless cameras, what you see is what you get looking right through the electronic viewfinder. You can see what it is you're capturing. Um, and then um, not a lot of post-production work for me uh, the way I'm doing it. I've still got a little bit to learn uh, because the cameras behave a little differently. The exposure um, and, and even the focus, you, you have to learn some of the nuances of what it takes to be shooting in digital. But, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times people will find they have an older model uh, that they've since bought a newer, newer model or a different camera. So they've got that older model camera sitting on the shelf. That's the one you want to have converted and send it off to uh, one of a couple companies here in the USA that offer infrared conversions. A couple hundred dollars, they'll do it, depending on the model. Uh, I think it's two or three hundred dollars. I converted an, an older um, GX7 camera. It's a Lumix model that's since discontinued, but it's still a nice little camera. The reason I like it is it's a very compact camera. Uh, you have the GX8. The GX7 was the model that preceded it and is actually physically smaller in size. Mm. So what's interesting about that is I can pack that in my camera bag as a second body. It's dedicated to infrared, but it's not so bulky and big. So it's it sits down at the bottom of my camera bag, and every once in a while I'll pull that out and try a little infrared. Oh, that's That's great advice. Great advice. Mm. I, I've not done any infrared photography. I, I like the look of it, and it, mm. uh, I need to do that with. Uh, I think I've still got an old D two hundred. I could probably convert, mm -hmm. but I won't drag that around the world. <laughs> if you want, I'll, I'll loan you my GX seven infrared conversion. That would be fun to oh, use for your next trip. I'm happy oh. to loan it to you. I oh, appreciate that very much. Well, Tom, I uh, really appreciate your being on the show. Thank you for your time and for your input. So where can people find out more about you online? Sure. Well, as I mentioned, I love to Instagram, and I am tcurly1. It's T-C-U-R-L-E-Y and the number one. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. I'm basically tcurly everywhere. Uh, and I do have a website. Uh, it is Tom dash curly so it's t-o-m and a dash or a hyphen c-u-r-l-e-y so tom-curly.com is where you can find me wonderful and we'll make sure we've got links to all of those in the show notes well thank you everyone for listening and remember that you can follow me on facebook twitter instagram and pinterest both at photo enrichment and at ralph velasco and be sure to visit our website at photoenrichment.com to see about upcoming tours and other announcements. If you join my mailing list, you will receive a free copy of my 150-plus page 101 Photography Tips ebook just for doing so. Also, if you're an iOS user and you're looking to create a more well-rounded set of images of your travels, be sure to download the travel photography app I created called My Shot List for Travel. It's free on iTunes. I'll also put a link in the show notes to a blog post that I wrote that uh, puts all the information in the app 
at your fingertips, but of course doesn't have the functionality, but that's meant for non-iOS users so that you've got that information without the functionality. Uh, finally, if you're interested in organizing and leading your own tours, please visit tourorganizertraining.com and you can register there for our upcoming free webinar. We've just launched that program and it's uh, really going gangbusters. Very happy about that. To find out about Ugo and follow him on the social media networks, simply Google him or go to ucphoto.me. Finally, please be sure to put in a review of the show and the app on iTunes. This, of course, helps us to be found by others. The uh, show's really growing. We're very happy about that. Don't forget to join the, the photography contest, the monthly contest we have on Facebook at the Traveling Image Makers Corner. We've gotten some great submissions and have really uh, enjoyed seeing people's photography, but this is a way for you to come on the show. Uh, the winner, We're going to uh, select two winners that are going to come on the show, and we're going to have them uh, interviewed, talk about their image on one episode. So this would be a great way to get your name out there. And remember, if you keep at it, you can't get worse at photography. Now let's get out and shoot.